Welcome back to another episode of the Active Liberty Podcast. Today, I'm chatting with Nicole Sauce, or as my mother-in-law would say, the coffee Nicole. We're talking about getting your personal finance ducks in a row. Nicole is someone who helps people design the life they want to live through podcasting, marketing coaching, and creative creating connections. She's the hostess of Living Free in Tennessee, which is a podcast on lifestyle design and homesteading. She roasts and ships coffee, and she's a motivational speaker. So with that, I want to welcome Nicole Sauce to the Constructive Liberty Podcast. Hey, everybody. How's it going? No, they're not answering. And Nicole, why don't, <laughs> for most of my audience knows, would probably know who Nicole is because I have talked about you and I've been on your podcast and shared that with my audience in the past. But for those who have not heard of you before, why don't you give a, uh, a rundown of who is Nicole and how did you come to be the hostess of Living Free in Tennessee? I was born at a very young age in at Oregon. A young age. Yeah. A very wow. young age, very it was, it was zero for just one second. Wow. And then I was raised in a family environment full of people who liked to own their own small business, which at the time seemed normal to me. But then in hindsight, when I see other families that don't do that, it was less normal. So I've always been inclined to start a lemonade stand or, or do something creative. I sang in a rock band for a long time. I studied music. German and education. And all of that has totally benefited me in my life as a motivational speaker, a podcaster, a homesteader, a website designer, and a coach. And I I went through 14 years of working in liberty-based public policy only to realize that if you use a broken system to fix a system, it doesn't work. It doesn't doesn't work. work. (laughs) So I have to ask. Work. (laughs) <laughs> I have to ask for a minute. You said you studied German. Sprechen Sie Deutsch? Ja, klar. Yeah. Okay. So I'm. Du auch I, know, Deutsch? I know a little Dutch, a little like Amish. I I have Amish in my background, so you yeah. can probably understand me better than I can understand you. <laughs> yeah. Do the Amish use the Z form like that? No, no I don't. Or do I'm not really great at point. Dutch. I can I can understand most of it, but I'm a little yeah. less fluent in actually speaking it. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Um, I brought you on today to talk about what I mentioned earlier, getting your personal finance ducks in a row. I How giggle you... every time you say that. <laughs> you have ducks, right? So you know about how they easy do. ducks are to get in a row, right? It's actually not hard to get ducks in a row. Is that easier than your finances? Yes. Oh. I, I started by training my ducks at a very young age to go into their coop on call, and they tend to line up and do that. That's how I get my ducks in a row. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. But not the personal finance ones. The personal finances has been years long for me. <laughs> so how did you how did you get started in helping people own their finances? I didn't know I had, but I have shared my own story about getting my own finances. And I, I have a tendency to be honest about the struggles I face on my podcast. And it's been hard. Mm. And there was there was a very hard day for me one year, probably yeah, six or seven years ago now, I don't even know, where I was earning close to six figures. 
living on a fairly modest homestead. You've seen it. It's not like yep. this is an expensive place. And somehow more money was going out than was coming in every month because I was traveling a lot and I was paying for things that I could do on my own, but I couldn't because I wasn't home. And in order to make myself happy, because I wasn't very happy always on the road, I was buying things. And I figured I'd always earn more and more and more and more the next year. And so I looked around one day and I had I had mortgage debt. I had car payment. I had paid off my student loans. So there was that. And I had credit card debt, the worst kind of debt you can possibly have. Bad. Credit card debt, bad. Yeah, credit card debt, bad. And then I looked at that and I made myself calculate how much interest I was paying every month. And that number was about half my paycheck, just the interest. And I freaked out. I totally freaked out. I like cried, you know, (laughs) all of it. Went through the whole five stages of grief. I did. And then I thought, well, I've looked at this ugly thing. What am I going to do about it? And I reached out, you know, because in that situation, you don't always have your own solution. I reached out to friends and got advice. And I learned a lot about steps I could take to start down the journey. And the first thing I did was stop the bleeding. And the way you do that is you stop spending more than comes in. Is that how that works? Yeah, that yeah. that can be a tough thing. Is you're, it's the lifestyle creep. You know, you, your paycheck gets to a certain area, and your lifestyle creeps up right below that. And then it's like, hey, I need I need this thing here, and so put it on the credit card. And next thing you know, you're behind. Yeah. How did you How did you go about stopping that lifestyle creep, or stopping the bleeding, as you put it, and and flipping? the script from spending more than you earn to, you know, getting actually ahead with your finances. Yeah. Well, my first goal was just zero. So lofty goal to pay off all your debt loft in that situation, lofty goal to earn more than you're spending and not as simple as all the coaches say it is, although it is, it's simple. It's not complex, but it's difficult to do. Simple, and not easy. <laughs> finding so the first thing was I I hate clerical work and I started blocking time in my schedule to go through all finances item by item at least once a month. But at first I was doing it once a week, and hmm. that's when I discovered the first thing I could cut out were all of the surprise expenses. You know those subscriptions you don't remember you signed up for that are five or ten or fifteen dollars a month, and they yep. they add up. And then I looked at how much my my different bills were, phone bill, like all of those things. And did I really need the cell phone thing or not? Yes, I did. But did I need to be spending close to $200 a month? No, I did not. I spend now 35 bucks a month for, for my cell service. Yeah, you can and, actually you can find really, really cheap cell phone services. And a lot of the things that, like yeah. the little subscription things that you find, if you need them, can often find them much cheaper than, you know, the traditional or the, the easy to find stuff. Yeah. So I did, I did a whole month or two of just what are the surprise bills? And then I continued to have surprise bills for another year or two after that, but I got rid of the worst of them. I started doing the thing with the envelopes where I put money in the envelope. And the first month I did that, I ran out of money about two weeks, weeks through. And did I stick to it? No, 
No. I reevaluated how much money should go in the envelope because part of my problem is I was not planning for what things really cost. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was really important not to think I could get by with $20 a month on groceries, but to be realistic. If it was 50, it was 50. And I figured that out. Yeah. Right? And often when, when you start off in that envelope system, you're just, it's a shot in the dark when you're getting started. Like you, you just make a guess, throw something in there and then you run out at the end of the first week and you're like, huh, I'm going to have to figure out, reevaluate some things in here. Yeah. And I had already had habits of developing a deep pantry and growing food here and canning that and all of those things. But I had eating habits of having processed foods and things from the store, which I completely cut out over the next three or four years. And that brought expenses down, not eating out brought expenses down, not traveling for work brought expenses down, submitting my expense reports for work at that time. I I used to just buy stuff on the road that I could be reimbursed for. And I hated paperwork so much. I wouldn't do the report. Mm -hmm. So I made myself calculate how much am I not getting paid? (laughs) And that hurt. I bet that was a sad day. That was a sad day. There was one year where it was like 5,500 bucks. Like that'll knock out some debt. Yeah. So all of those steps were to get myself in the habit. And I I did listen to the book. Um, what's that book on YouTube? 10%, 10%. Uh, the uh, the one Jack talks about? Yeah. It's a really I just started book. reading it. The Richest Man in Babylon. Richest Man that in one. Babylon. Yes. Yeah. So I've, I've listened to that book on YouTube rather than read it. And I'm a reader. And I've listened to it repeatedly. Every time I start slipping a little bit on the savings side of life, I listen to that book again. So Mm -hmm. once I had gotten my expenses under control, I started paying myself before paying others. And you know what? Started getting your stuff under control. It works. Things get better. Yeah. Yeah. And and your purse, like he talks about in the book. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I put it in account that was hard to get to. Mm. So for me, in order to do that, if it's in my my usual bank account under savings where I can just go transfer. Yeah, you transfer, no. you transfer no. quickly. You're like, I need yeah. an extra 50, 75 bucks this month. I'll just like transfer. Yeah, I'll just grab over. it from there and then pay it back. No, you can't <laughs> do that with the savings. Mm. So I, I got disciplined about putting 10% away. And, and then I attacked the credit card debt. And part of how I attacked that that is not recommended by the Covey method, I don't think, um, is I would get offers in the mail for 0% for three years or two years, and I would transfer balances. Gotcha. And that's a 3% fee, but it's not 21% interest. And then I would not reduce what I was paying on that credit card every month, the, mm-hmm. the, the former minimum. I would put that all towards it. And instead of paying interest, I was paying 0%. Right. Yeah. And that's and a, all that's that a the credit card dance. That only yeah. works if you, if you take those credit cards and you put them in your drawer. <laughs> and quit spending on them, right? Literally. <laughs> yeah. Not in my wallet. Not possible. Only break in case of near death or, or something. (laughs) I didn't need the freezer ice cube method. I just put it in that drawer and pretended it didn't exist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So how far had you fallen or how, how far deep 
had you gone before you realized you needed to make that change? I was about $40,000 of credit card debt. That hurts. That's, that's a real wake up call when you sit down and actually look at how, how deep in the hole you are and yeah. sit, sit down and think of how many hours, days, weeks, months, years you've got to work to dig yourself out. That can yep. be real, that can be discouraging. Yeah. And I think having my podcast, I launched my podcast when I was already into this process, mm-hmm. but having my podcast and telling people in my operation independence section, this is how the debt payoffs going. I don't do that every week, but I'll say this is how it's going. Made a, a motivational difference for me because I was making a public statement. And then when it was time to to do a thing, right? And I want to just pay for something with the credit card. Eh, it was harder. But I will say some of the glitches I hit along the way was that, you know how you, you're supposed to have that emergency fund? Right. It's supposed to be $1,000. Not enough. Not enough. Especially if you're self-employed. Because you know how it is. February comes and you don't make any money in February. <laughs> unless you build Taj Mahaler. But yep. other than that, you don't make any money <laughs> in February. And and it's the same for me. Like I have predictable cash flows, but it took me a couple of years of watching that to know. And then you're like, well, do I feed the dogs this month or not? Which one of us goes hungry? Yeah. And then <laughs> there's an emergency vet bill of $2,500. And you're like, yeah. Yeah. Actually, I didn't. This year, I didn't have to dig into, dig, I used my emergency fund for my dog who got hurt. I didn't mm-hmm. have to dig into the credit card this year. Yeah. So that, for me, that's a six, total success. <laughs> and it, it's hard to know, like on the emergency fund thing, you know, you've got to start somewhere. So $1,000 is a, is a great place to start. Yeah. But don't stop there. Like Yeah. And I think know, we, like that method is $1,000 and then everything else goes to pay off debt. And I get right. it. Except for if you're breaking the habit and you look at your lifestyle and you have kids and you have animals and you have all of these other things that may demand an emergency, mm-hmm. you need to adjust that fund accordingly, I think. Yeah. I've heard it said, I think this is from Dave Ramsey. He said, sell so much stuff that the kids think they're on the block next. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was so Ramsey. About- I said Covey earlier. I was like, that's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> that was that other thing I did. Yeah, the other thing. <laughs> what about people who think they can't earn enough or don't earn enough to get their spending under control? Like, is there a is there a, a quick fix for that, or what would what where do you start in that situation? Because I've been there, and sometimes I still feel like I'm there. You know, I'm trying to build a house, I, my vehicle breaks down, I got to go buy a new truck, and yeah, all these things come up, and it's like I I don't know. There's Way too much month left at the end of the money. Where do you start when you're in that Way too that much situation? month left at the end. That sounds like a country song. <laughs> it probably I didn't know is. you were a songwriter, it, Ken. It should be. <laughs> that's that's me a shirt. <laughs> it should. So I don't think that's a thing. It is a thing, but it's not a thing. Not a thing? That's not a thing. So yeah. Tell me a little I, about I'm there. That. I had a lot. I had a lot of month left at the end of the money when my dog got hurt and, and then like four other stupid things went wrong, including getting COVID, which was also not inexpensive for me. And mm-hmm. I looked around and I was like, right. Bad words were said in my head. And then I talked to a friend and she's like, you know what I do? 
I donate plasma. And I thought, okay, so my my perception of people who donate plasma is that they're junkies who who need to earn money. And mm-hmm. that's the wrong perspective. I can go to a plasma clinic twice a week, which I won't do it twice a week, but once a week and come out, you know, 250, 300 extra bucks a month and use that to refill my emergency fund as quickly as possible. And then I talked to another friend about it who's really good at money management and and the earnings side, you know, mm-hmm. and and I told him, I said, you know, this is going to sound weird, but I'm going to start giving plasma. and. I know that sounds like not cool, but he said, oh, no, I have a friend who maxed out his Roth IRA every year by doing that. So he wow. would just take it, put it straight to his Roth. I'm like, that's brilliant. I'm going to keep giving plasma until my Roth IRA is full, you know. And <laughs> and so yeah, there are yeah. little ways you can earn money that you may not think about or there may be a stigma attached to them. But there's nothing wrong if it fits in your life, if investing that 45 minutes like I can be writing my cookbook while doing the plasma. So not only am I doing that, mm-hmm. but I'm also earning twice there because eventually the cookbook update comes out and then I sell more cookbooks, right? Right. So it's, yeah, it's or I could be listening to something educational. So you're know, looking for things like that or, or giving yourself permission to drive for roadie and deliver stuff or Uber Eats or any of these other million things we can do. Or invest in bringing your costs down by growing vegetables in your garden in a way that makes sense financially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And on on some of the the like the plasma thing, if you have to drive to get there these days, you you have to consider the investment you're putting in. So you might not have as yeah. big a return, but at least it's you know if you if you don't have anything else that you're able to do at that time. Yeah. A little step forward is better than not going at all. Not no, no steps forward. So what right. would you say are those are the first steps to financial freedom to to achieving that uh, to so many of us? It seems like the um, the dragon or, or the, the thing that's out there that we want, but we just can't quite get there. Well, what is what your definition of financial freedom? That's the first thing. What does that mean for you? Does it mean you're a billionaire? They may not even be financially free. I, I think that's <laughs> I guess a big it depends part. what your liabilities are. Yeah. Yeah. What are your what does that look like for you? And then once you have that established, back out of it and say, okay, how am I going to get there? And then you can figure out if you have a spending problem, address that. If you have a debt problem, address that. If you have an earning problem, because you might, I'm addressing an earning problem right now. Mm -hmm. I've been moving forward, but I realized I should be earning about twice what I'm earning now. And if I focus my time better, because it's really a time-focused problem, right? I can do that. But financial freedom is a different thing for every person. For me... It's going to be easier to achieve because I live how I do than if I live like my dad. Neither answer is wrong, but it is easy. If you simplify things, it's a lot easier to achieve financial freedom. I had a guy on my show who in his 20s realized he could build himself a tiny home and live in his tiny home for less than rent in his area. And that was his first step for financial freedom. So you need to look at both sides of the equation. And then the, the other 
like sort of early thing is get real. Get mm. real. Have that look at how much debt support you're paying in the form of interest if you have debt. Have a look at where your money's really going. Have a look at how it's coming in and get real with yourself. Be willing to look at the hard, ugly truths of of your finances. Because most of the problems I see in finances is that people are not willing to deal with it. It's just too scary. It's too big. (laughs) You're not supposed to talk about money. Talk about money. Talk about money every dang day. Yeah, it's it, it can be a scary thing because, you know, it's money is what the Wall Street people deal with and we try to shy away from that. But, you know, we all it's something that we all have to handle. Yeah. And I, the first step is is to learn how to handle it, which I've done good and bad at it. You know, you, you <laughs> there's kind of ebbs and flows in everything. And especially it seems like finances, it happens. The instant you get a little bit saved up and you've had this experience too this year, something happens and boom, to the penny, what you had there is gone. Like, wow. <laughs> so well, I sold to, that to car. The... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what I wanted to spend that money on. <laughs> So to to the people who have have gotten out of debt, who've quit overspending, but still feel like they're struggling, and I'm there. I mean, I I yeah. still do have some debt that I'm that I'm working on on eliminating. You know, again because I've fallen back into that trap from time to time using the credit card again. But once you get to that debt free place, but still just can't quite get ahead. What do you say what to them? What does that mean to you? Can't quite get ahead. Is it that you're just feels like you're every month? Yeah, pretty well. I mean, it's that kind of a lifestyle. (laughs) What What's the first thing you have to do to to quit the struggle and and to to not have to worry about the money every every week or every month? Okay, so full disclosure. I'm not sure I'm the right expert to answer this question, but I will tell you what (laughs) I think. And all right, go for it. (laughs) I I think it's a mindset. When when you can't quite get ahead, you're telling yourself a story and you're believing your story. And you haven't started asking yourself, how can I get ahead? And a lot of what I see people doing is focusing on the wrong things. They focus on sort of the get rich quick piece rather than the daily discipline of how can I invest my time for a good financial outcome? And Mm. then based on that, and, and, you know, that's why I do my three things, right? Based on that, you're making better decisions. And then it, it doesn't usually all happen at once, but everybody I know who's gotten out of debt and also backslid again and then gotten out of debt again because they just realized that it's like being an alcoholic, right? Sometimes you go back to the bottle and the, Mm -hmm. the thing you need to focus on is what's my quickest reset. How fast can I go back to what I need to be doing? Uh, If you, if you give yourself permission for that and then focus on 
how am I bringing the money in that I want to bring in for stability or resources, whatever those resources are, it will work itself out over time. And you'll start Mm -hmm. having more and more savings, right? And then when opportunities come along, you're able to take advantage with those finances of those opportunities. Because I think the frustration you feel is that, um, excuse me, I'm going to (coughs) see. Wow. Bless you. I don't don't know where that came from. (laughs) Is you're, you're seeing opportunities you're not ready to tap into yet because you haven't, you flipped to out of debt but you haven't built up the savings and the extra stability that you want so that when the mm-hmm. opportunity comes along to buy that business, if that's a thing or, or whatever it is, invest in cryptocurrency, invest in the stock market. You're not there yet. That's the, there's like a second phase. You're out of debt. Then you're building up wealth in sort of the traditional linear way where you save a lot. And then right. when you have enough savings, you can start making that money work for you. That's a whole different ball game, right? When when I know every month I'm getting a check on something and I've put money and time and effort into it, like my rental properties, that's awesome because I can get super sick and that money's still coming in, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. That residual Those are the kind income. of revenue streams you want to look at after you've got enough of a chunk that you're ready to do that. Right. Would you ever... A lot of a lot of real estate experts, you know, get into the rentals. They definitely recommend borrowing the money. Is that a place somebody should start, or or build up that reserve before you jump in there? I have borrowed every against every property I own for rentals, and that is part of the business model. So I've figured out this much down this much invested in repair, this much mortgage and all of that, you know, this many expenses in a year rent is, has to be at least this much amount or above. For me, the goal is positive, positive cash flow immediately, not, mm-hmm. not appreciated value, positive cash flow, because that builds up the emergency fund for that account. And then when you have to put the, the new HVAC in, in January, 2022 for $5,500, then Sounds you're like not you like really sad. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I had just done it and then actually mm-hmm. I had to put a thousand dollars in on that one. So I'm still paying myself, but I have positive cash flow. So every month that's paying that thousand dollars back that came out of my personal emergency fund. Right. right. And and so having that model is super helpful for that's how I've done real estate and it's worked really well for me. I've always looked at properties where I can get 10 times rent is sort of my initial. um, So rent is 10 times of the mortgage. Right. Okay. Let's explain what that means. So if I'm, if I'm paying, you know, um, I'm sorry, I'm saying that wrong. So if it's, if I'm paying a hundred thousand dollars for it, divide by 10, I want at least a thousand dollars a month. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So 10%, that's 10 times rent. (laughs) It's been a long day, right? (laughs) Yeah. It's been a long week. Um, as I mentioned, four pigs, one weekend, never again. <laughs> At least that Taj Mahal held up to it. <laughs> it did. Yeah. I, I'm impressed with the strength of your beams. There was a thousand pounds of pigs on that beam. Well, glad they we had up. a post in between them though. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how it would have done if you'd gone in between the posts on all of that. I'm sure it would have had a little bit of sag in it, but yeah, we were careful. Yeah. There, there was, good. there was some strategy to that. 
But That's I decided good. we don't want to put a cow there. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned earlier um, you use the my three things method. Do you use that in your in managing your finances too? Probably. Not yeah. with not with intention, but that's a really good idea. I think I'll start yeah. doing that. Uh, I be, sort of when I've been so I I was using the the whole credit card snowball thing, and then the only thing I did differently is I didn't pay off the lowest balance. I used the highest interest rate first, and that was the higher balance card. And so in in essence so my three things what you do is you have a big picture strategic plan then you have three areas of focus for a year or five years and then under those you have up to three goals per one to get you there so it's just a step top down a level down a level and then each day when i'm looking at my day i have up to three do or die things that i will do that's moving things forward and sometimes just going to work and earning your money is one and that's all you really need to do well that day. And it helps you focus. And then when all those distractions come in, you can go, okay, but but what are my three things today? Did I, did, yeah, how many have I done? That, yeah. Right. So you can have one, three thing. So the way I've managed finances is I have one. There's always the one thing I'm focusing on financially. And up until this year, it was which debt am I paying off? When the year flipped, it was how am I making more money? Mm-hmm. How am I making more money while maintaining the ability to have the occasional weekend off and see my friends sometimes? Right. It's nice to see your friends from time it's to time. Really nice to see my <laughs> friends. And in order to get so a good friend of mine coached me through the development of this, where I laid out everything I did in 2021, how much time I invested or how many days of work I invested in doing it, you know, from the LFTN workshop to self-reliance festival to <clears throat> Uh, rogue food conference to shipping and fulfilling coffee orders to doing websites for people like all of those things. And project by project, he had me go through everyone. And the thing is, if I want to earn, let's say a hundred thousand dollars a year, there's a certain per day rate I need to get. And that number is 274 ish dollars to 270 something. And I changed this formula from that, but so when looking at an event like Rogue Food Conference, the ant- the question is, if it's spent me five days, if it took me five days, five times 274 is a certain amount of money. I don't know that off the top of my head because I'm just not that good with head math, but you're a carpenter. You can do it, right? Let's see. <laughs> I work with fractions only. <laughs> fractions only. Uh, let's see. 274, 274 times five. So that's 1370. Somebody's screaming 1370 in the background. Yeah, right? <laughs> 1370 to call. It's easy. And you should know that if you went to first grade. <laughs> then I have to look at how much money came in for that event. And that includes at the event, if I got new customers for coffee that subscribe for a year, I'll give the whole year profit, though, not gross. Mm-hmm. So how much profit came in? And if the number is lower than 1370, then that was not good. I have two things I can do from there. Never do it again or adjust what I'm doing to bump up, bump up the, the profit from that. Yeah. So you, you kind of answered the question that I was going to going to ask from that is how, how, how much weight do you put into that equation doing things that don't seem to have an immediate return? Like you mentioned rogue food conference or for myself doing the podcast, I, I, 
this is more a labor of love for me than anything. Yeah, so, so far. So far. So far, exactly. So how much weight do you put into all the time and energy and what have I been doing this for almost a year and a half now? This is, I think will be episode 78. Yay. So you do it for episode? how's that? What do you do for 100th episode? I don't know yet. <laughs> mm, time to start thinking about that. It is time to start thinking about that. Yeah. yeah. But um, how, how much weight do you put into that, the laying the groundwork for your big picture vision? That's a great question. And your podcast markets your services. So how much are you selling to your podcast right now? Do you know? Are you sure? I mean, yes. Because <laughs> I haven't gotten any any construction people off of the podcast and nothing else has been sold. So zero. Would you have listened to my podcast if you weren't going to set the foundation for your big picture goal and eventually start a podcast? Uh, I, I've found your podcast, I think just before I started mine the first time, I think I did about 30 something episodes and then quit and then started again. But yeah, are those two things related though? Starting mine and listening to yours. I'm not sure. I think you and Jack were probably where I was like, Hey, I can do this thing too. You gave me great ideas. How much money have you made building things at my house? Good point. So how many indirect things like that come from your podcast? Yeah. You don't know yet, do you? I don't know yet. Nope. Start thinking about that. So that's one way to look at it. The other way is not every single thing you do has to be about $1,370 from Rogue Food Conference, right? Right, right. Not everything you have, you have to do. And building your network does give you more contacts for things, right? It gives you more stability in a very different way. And if you're going to be strategic with your time, not 100% of my time is about earning $274 a day, right? right. It Because that's not what I want my life to be. There are other things that are also important to me and to you too. And if this podcast is is answering that for you just know that's why you're doing it and make sure the time you put into it is commensurate with that and the third thing you can do with your podcast is say okay well how can i get five dollars per listener or one dollar per listener is there something else i could do is it because i haven't asked do i need to add a tip that might be a big my one. Website? Like, <laughs> there's lots of things right because i for me i evaluate my podcast i have direct support in the form of event registrations and memberships, right? I also sell a lot of coffee. I sell mm. a lot of my coffee is sold right on my podcast. And I, I was sold through your podcast on yeah, your coffee. Yeah. See, and it was like, oh, I do want a supporter and and I get something for it. So it's kind of a win-win. Mm-hmm. And it might cost a little more than the stuff I was getting before, but you know, that extra buck goes to Nicole. I don't mind. It might cost a little more, but it's ten times better. It's I'll ten times better, and you can never At go least. back once you taste it. That there's also that problem. There is that, that thing. Hurts. It's like yeah. crack. <laughs> and it's like it's it's you know, like so sell an addictive product. That's perfect, you know. Hmm. Now I'll be brainstorming for the next week. What kind of addictive product I can Yeah, well, how can with? I be a drug dealer? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but so that's so and that's where when i'm talking to people about getting their finances in order i'm not 
as as stark as cut out all extra expenses possible because if you make yourself miserable you're not going to stick to it and if if a hundred and twenty dollar Netflix a year is your thing, then do that thing. Just don't also do Amazon and also do you know whatever other streaming services people use. Don't I do Amazon because I want the shipping benefit and I get video and I don't do Netflix. That's why I don't do Netflix. Mm-hmm. I'm allowed one, and Amazon's actually becoming like maybe I could just watch YouTube because they're <laughs> yeah, <laughs> their their quality isn't quite up to par i don't think yeah. at least they're on their amazon originals so we've got cut down on your on your expenses as much as possible eliminate all extra spending yeah and we've maxed out what we can earn at our current job what would be the next step you know to somebody who is in a day job the nine to five going five days a week what would be the next step for them to get a little bit closer to that to their their definition of financial freedom well so having savings we forgot that one um i want to go back cutting down on your expenses as much as possible um i know somebody who once spent a week and a half on and off on the phone with verizon and got his bill down four dollars a month (laughs) that was a terrible waste of time so Yes, get your expenses down. No, don't do that. Like that ROI on your time is is important. And, you know, sometimes it, if you can make more money doing something else, which I think $4 for 40 hours of work is a bad idea. Bad idea. What is that? Bad like idea. Or something, an hour? Oof. It's terrible. It's bad. And I know a lot of people, it's like penny wise, pound foolish. Right. Always keep that in mind because it's very easy for us to get to go overboard on frugal and being frugal is good as long as it empowers you. If somebody's at a, at a normal job and they've got their expense balance in place and they're able to put 10% away on savings, 10% away for their emergency fund, so that's 20%. Now it's time to gamify the situation. How much more can you save? Okay. Mm. That's one thing. Two, look for. Because I'm assuming if you have a job and you're in that financial position, what you do not have is a multiple six-figure job. Okay. I'm I'm assuming you're at a different pay scale and therefore you are not working 80 or 90 hours a week. If you are working 80 or 90 hours a week and earning $30,000, then you need to start looking for a different job. You can probably do better than that at McDonald's right now. Right. And but that doesn't mean that people aren't in that situation and it's hard to sit up and realize, well, I really like this job. Is it more important for me to stay here or would I like to earn more money at McDonald's? Hmm, I guess I'll go to, you know, McDonald's because I'm going to earn more money. You know, nothing wrong with that. Just realize that's why you're doing it. But if you're in the kind of job where you have weekends and evenings off or you do four days on and three days off or whatever it is that is your particular iteration of that. How can you fill that time building revenue into your life while giving yourself time to be with your family? Cause if you ignore your family, that stinks. There are two, two things you can do. One, you can, if, if like you and me, you have land, you can get value from your homestead. You can do projects that bring you value, whether that's, no need to buy pork again as long as you live because there's 700 pounds of pork in your freezer. 
Or we'll be eating on that for a while. I'm going to sell some of that. Um, <laughs> I'm going to, I mean, cause I don't think I can eat 700 pounds of pork in, in a year, even with four families here. Um, or look for those side hustle things. If you like to knit, start putting your stuff up on Etsy. I was out at Dory Mulder's place, the 40 acres in a cave. And they had all these old mattress springs, like the metal ones. And apparently an individual spring sells to crafters on Etsy's for five to 10 bucks. <laughs> so a mattress start spring. looking for the, like start evaluating the world that way for a day's work, pulling those individual little springs out and listing them on Etsy. Even if you only sell five or six, you just made 60 bucks. And if you had mm. fun while you were doing that, there's nothing wrong with it. Right. Or if you're, you know, if you're a carpenter, you could start, doing specialty builds of something i don't know mm-hmm. raised beds prefabricated raised beds people right now want to grow the heck out of their food and they don't know how raised beds are a great way to get started especially in a suburban environment where it needs to look pretty and i bet you could make some pretty awesome looking raised beds i'm pretty sure i could if and if i had you might know somebody who starts plants who you could put plants in those beds i probably do yeah, I'm actually, looking at a plant starting rack right over there. So. Yeah, have you started your plant? Because I still have it. Uh, a few things, not a whole lot. I think yeah, mostly I'm, flowers. So yeah, yeah, flowers. <laughs> My are wife is more of a flower grower, and then just a little bit of food to to snack on while she's out tending the flowers. <laughs> yeah, well, flowers are beautiful, and you can sell them at they the are. farmers market. Yep. See, that's that, it. Doesn't have to be food. Like she can grow flowers and sell bouquets to people, and they'll buy yep. them. Yep. Yeah. That's 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 her high end goal. So yeah, yeah, working towards that. Yeah, I love ab- it. Absolutely. Is is now a bad time for someone to set out on their own? I and mean, we've gone through the last two years of COVID and who knows what all. The well, sky now we're gonna is go to war with every Russia and run out of food and nuclear bombs, right? Yes. Yep. Yep. It's the sky is falling every day, worse and worse. Nuclear. I said it wrong. Anyway, nuclear. Um, I just I <laughs> so pulled it, watching twenty four man. I just pulled a George Bush. That was bad. Uh, well, if, have you wa- ever watched a TV show 24 at ran? I don't know, 20 years ago it started. No, he, no. The, the main character in there, Jack Bauer, he says nuclear. So oh, I just, you, nuclear. Yeah. I know how to say it, but that was. We always scared. say that to make fun of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, is now a bad time to start a business amidst nuclear fallout? Now is the best time to start your business. Yesterday was a better time, but now is the best time to start your business. And here's why. If you can make it work in this environment, when we are prosperous, you're going to explode. 2020 was one of the best years for me growth-wise I've ever had. And it started out a little slow. A little slow through about June. And then it was like... And ever since then, every time I look around and I'm like, why are things slowing down? I say, put your big girl pants on, Nicole, and figure out how to sell stuff. And you know what I figured out is if you tell people you have something for sale and it's something that they want, they'll buy it. And the majority of my sales problems have to do with people still don't know I sell coffee. <laughs> I've listened to 300 of your episodes. I didn't know you had coffee, Nicole. Yeah, you didn't know. So you don't listen to the end, do you? Maybe I better put it at the beginning. You know, you start. Uh, people people Skip miss the first three minutes. They don't know they're coming, and it's six months later, and they're six months behind on my podcast. They're like, "I want to go to the Self Reliance Festival," and I'm like, "Good, because there's another one in two months." I'll get these mm-hmm. emails. Oh, I missed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, been there, done that. 
So <laughs> it's hard for people because they feel like they're a, a broken record reprint. I mean, you're probably not old enough to know what a record is, but it's like <laughs> they were these vinyl things where needles went around. And if you got a scratch in it, it would just pay, play the same thing over and over again. And I'm joking a little bit. I love you. hearing those but, stories about long ago. <laughs> yeah, about long ago. Um, you think you sound like a broken record saying, if you want to support my show, get your coffee at Hollow Roast. And people who hear my show have heard me say that 14,000 times or about 549 times by tomorrow. But the reality is that time it finally sunk in. It didn't sink in before. It was just yep. words I said, right? And and that's been well, hard that morning for me. they ran out of coffee. <laughs> and they're like, oh, I guess I need some coffee. Exactly. And And that's yeah. the part I think where... So start it now and make it happen. But if it's not going well, figure out if it's not going well because you're doing the wrong thing for this time or if it's not going well because you are not doing something critical like selling what you do, right? If it's because it's not right for this time, ask yourself what is right for this time and do that. And I know that sounds really flip and simplified. It's harder in the moment to figure out what that is. But when it clicks, it clicks. Mm. And making, you know, like I've seen so many businesses go out of business after the whole COVID thing. But I've seen so many businesses start and thrive because they tapped into what people are looking for now. Yeah. So if you can find that thing that people want and sell them that, that's the key. I'm pretty so sure you can be employed a as a carpenter have. for the rest of your year without trying anything at all. Yeah, pretty well. Pretty well. Yeah. Even even in my small town, there's no carpenters. I mean, it's nobody can find any work, any people to do the work for them, I should say. No. And should, lumber is super somebody... expensive and they're still buying it. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah, it, it goes up. I did. I figured a job recently, and in, in between the time I figured the job, and unfortunately, I've now learned to put a caveat in there that the lumber prices will vary, and so will my price at the actual time of the job. Yeah. But the material prices, I'm going to say, went up by nearly half in between the time I gave the quote and actually purchased it. So that hurt. It's yeah. still hurting. <laughs> But that hurts. It, it's one of those, it's part of the learning process, I think. Yeah. But um, you, you said now is a good time to start a business. Should somebody go go out and start something full-time or is it better to do part-time, side gig, just start small? That depends What's, on what, where you are. What do you recommend there? It depends, man. It's like the, the famous permaculture answer is it depends. If you are... <laughs> If you are doing the kind of business where you just need to go for it, then go full-time, do it. If you mm-hmm. have savings so you can fail, go for it. If you're young and don't have to support kids right now yet, go for it. If you have people dependent on you, then you may want to look at how that transition part plan is going to be, right? And yep. it's going to be a different answer for everybody. Um, I had to cowboy it. I had to side hustle it. And then the minute I made the change, I didn't have enough savings, but I had to do it anyway for health reasons when I made the jump last time. And 
I just made it work, but I didn't have kids to pay for. Uh, you know, so there were, I had low risk. Yeah. So keep your risk low and, and just go for it. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. This has been, wow, super helpful for me. I, it can be so easy to get inside your own head. And mm-hmm. sometimes you just need that other voice to tell you the things that you already know, but you're, you forget to actually do them sometimes. So that's been awesome for me. I, I hope, I'm sure that the listeners will get a lot out of this too. Awesome. Anything that you would like to say before we end this conversation? Any, any last thoughts or piece of advice? I think, so the answer to becoming financially independent and getting your ducks in a row is going to be a little different for everybody. But the first piece is to believe you can do it. And I know that sounds very spiritual and woo-woo, but it mm-hmm. is it's a mindset thing because the biggest computer is right here in your head. And it's going to be working on that problem when you set it to work on that problem. And the way you set it, the way you program yourself is to ask yourself the question, how can I do this? Don't shy away from looking at the ugly truth. And then be willing to do it one step at a time. Don't expect a change in a week. It's going to take time, time and discipline. Awesome. Awesome. Nicole, where can people find you? Well, if you're interested in getting in touch with me or checking out my stuff, I have a podcast, Living Free in Tennessee at livingfreeintennessee.com. People joke that it's the longest domain name in history, but I have found a longer one, so they're not wrong. (laughs) They're not right. (laughs) Um, Or if you want to have great coffee and support me in that way and try some coffee that will make you never want to have bad coffee again, just go to Holler Roast, H-O-L-L-E-R-R-O-A-S-T.com. I highly recommend it. Highly recommend. I think I just mailed yours like this week. Yeah, I think we got it already. So awesome. Yeah. Yep. Good. Okay, <laughs> cool. Guys, definitely go check check out Nicole's podcast and buy some coffee. It's the best coffee you'll ever taste. You won't be disappointed. And do good work. <laughs> <laughs>